The Voice of Medicine. Gedanken, Geschichten und Talks aus der faszinierenden Welt der Medizin. Denn wir bringen sie an den Puls. Präsentiert von Radiolutions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the podcast, The Voice of Medicine. Today very, with a very special guest, Niv, Dr. Niv Lakira. Um, she's a doctor of internal medicine. She's an author of two books, which we will definitely speak about. And um, she's active on multiple social media, um, you know, posting stuff about a, a lot of things, also including nutrition. And I'm going to jump right in. Before we started this beautiful talk with you, um, you sent me a picture of your breakfast. And now, as a regular guy, you know, I would maybe eat for breakfast, let's say, a, a bowl of Cheerios or, um, you know, ham and cheese, nothing special. But what you sent me was as colorful as, I don't know, a garden full of blossoms, uh, blossoming flowers. Can you tell me, are you really this much into nutrition? And is it somehow based scientifically? As a doctor, do you look at nutrition scientifically? Or is this just, uh, I would say, um, you know, the, the, the modern way of, of looking at food, that it simply has to be colorful and sort of uh, aesthetic? I like to eat flowers so I can be fragrant forever. No, so I love food. I'm a big foodie. And even as a child, the way I grew up uh, was very, uh, like, uh, high, high density. You, you say it is the high density. You know, we call ND score. It's Aggregate Nutrition Density Index. Now, that's what they call it. I just call it simply food. I refuse to eat things that, uh, that are not real. I'm very uncomfortable because that's not what we grew up eating. What does it mean, food that is not real? So, so for example, okay, for example, we grew up eating the way, so my mom's parents were doctors and my dad was a scientist. So it was a very simple middle-class family with, with full of books. We had science journals on one side and literature on the other side. But I, we only eat real food. And... I real food means that has one ingredient <laughs> or if it has more than one ingredient it should be cooked at home so I a lot of time cook my own food at home before I started publishing books and uh, <laughs> meat going across the globe I was practically cooking my own three meals a day that's just what I want and ultimately the science was catching up so I, I, do, I don't want to be a crusader of western civilization but I think what happened the way I see things and I always saw things was like uh, in America or in western countries um, let's forget other, other western countries I don't know about that but mostly in America the way the food was started getting made was so for, for people in the workforce you know so just put anything, make anything, like make a burger, put chemicals, let it be, uh, like add preservatives, just so they can quickly eat and go to work. Yeah, sure. So no time, quickly, you know, feed yourself, go. So there was no nutrition. There is a difference between nutrition and food. And slowly what happened was their taste bud got conditioned and they were like, okay, this is real food and this is what I like. You know, so it kind of got passed from one generation to another, and that caused a lot of medical conditions. Like, um, I hate, I, I cannot eat canned food because it has BPA. It's old. It's not real because it's aged, 
uh, I don't even know what is inside of it. And for me, it's a dead food. Like, why is the beans inside a can for such a long time boiled? I don't understand that. So my brain will accept it. My brain wants fresh beans to be soaked overnight. <laughs> and I understand people don't have time, unfortunately. But how this time crisis was invented, it was invented. So, uh, you know, media has given shiny things for people to achieve. So they go in that rat race. Okay, I'm going to work extra hard for the bigger team. I'm not talking about, you know, people who are barely trying to make their ends meet. But they were given shiny objects to aim for. A bigger house, a bigger car, a TV, fashion labels, you know. And people's target became that. So they were doing it at the expense of their living and life. And it kind of became conditioning. And that, that kind of became the taste. For me, um, I I like I like real, when I say real food, it's like when we have organic, uh, like ghee. Ghee is a clarified uh, sort of butter, like made from real milk, right? So why should I eat margarine? I don't even understand who invented that. So I feel like West came up with so much synthetic food. And now we are very brunt of it because dementia, cancer, autism, developmental milestones, delays, even diabetes. Like, uh, why of course, are we... Of course, you know, a lot of, of, of these conditions are actually coming from partially environment, but also it's, it's a big lifestyle thing. And then the one thing that I liked is that you made the bridge uh, between between food, so nutrition, and, um, you know, let's say time. So the way that we are stressing ourselves, so this is the environmental component. And now you're also looking a little bit into uh, why do we stress uh, um, ourselves. Now, um, as, as far as I know, you, you come originally from New Delhi, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and when you speak, and I, I, I watch some of your videos, and I realize when you talk about things, you seem to be extremely um, in the moment. And immediately I had to think about mindfulness, right? I know that maybe today it's sort of a buzzword, mindfulness, everyone is speaking about it. Um, but it's a very interesting psychological concept. And my question would be, do you think that, I don't know, maybe growing up in New Delhi, which, you know, is the main religion is, is, is Hinduism and so on, that this is somehow connected to mindfulness and helped you over the course of your life? Yeah. So um, it, uh, I've been interviewed about this quite a lot, so I usually can just recall it. I, so basically, I can say that people, okay, if you go through a garden, you know, there's a garden, and six people walk through garden, all of them are going to notice different things if they don't have preconceived notions. If somebody is like trained and he's given a path, okay, if you go from here to here to here to here, you're supposed to do this and then you make an exit, you're going to go through that path and miss a lot of things. So most of us are so conditioned how to go as soon as you're born to, till you make this exit, you're given such a strict preconceived notion and feedback system that you just rush through life. So that is, that is what, for me, that's mindfulness. So I was, uh, I think in LinkedIn only, somebody was asking me when um, about uh, about happiness or I was telling people not to aim for a happy life, but aim for a beautiful state of mind. And, and uh, I was telling them that if you think about it, we, we are just packages of flesh, right? We're packages of flesh with bones and neurotransmitter and hormones. Um, 
and universe has sent us to uh, to manifest the purpose, right? But it's going to use our body. We are going to acquire skills so we can fulfill the purpose, you know, of the universe. And that comes, that we learn in the form of passion. So, for example, Michael's passion is learning about people, extracting information and benefiting several others. That's your passion. If that's your passion, that means that's your purpose. Or if Van Gogh wanted to paint, right? Or Emily Dickinson wanted to write poetry, or Tesla wanted to do innovation, or Leonardo da Vinci wanted to do every single thing. So that's their passion, which is actually what the universe wanted them to manifest. But uh, the, uh, the universe also packaged us in the form that we want to keep living. So it instilled some senses to satisfy in the form of pleasure. So, so basically, uh, these are the common desires. It's either pleasure or passion that keeps people moving forward. If you take that away, you're a saint. You know, uh, a life where you don't fulfill universe's purpose or you don't care about pleasure, that's kind of, you know, transcendental or you have just detached yourself from everything. But, but what I think people should be aware about is whether it's pleasure or passion or even societal milestones, they are going to use your whole body. It's using you. So you have to be aware that you need to be in alignment with yourself and be aware about this and not cost your uh, peace of mind, mental health, physical health, and a state of Zen. You don't owe anything to you in the universe or society, but you owe, you owe a lot. You are your body and you are your mind and you are your soul and you are your peace. And it's very important. What happens is we just lose the track. So I am a sugaraholic, right? So I have to keep check on that. So I can, if I, my, my pleasure movement is suppose food. So if you keep doing that in excess, you're going to hurt yourself. And if you keep painting, which I'm so scared of, so I have to always be aware about these things. I want, I can write forever and I can talk forever and I can dance forever and I can paint forever. That's me. Right. And I love traveling. I can travel forever. I love medicine. I can go and work at the hospital 1600 hours a day and I'll be happy. I can feel the passion from 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 your talk. And, and I also like your you know, you're tapping right now into a several number of topics. So the first thing I enjoyed is that you said that happiness per se is not a good goal. And I think some, someone once someone someone once said, I don't, I don't know, um, maybe this was on a show that happiness per se is is a is a state and but because we are um creatures of involve involvement right we're always in the process of uh, learning evolving um yeah this state happiness is not really something what you can combine with with your life and then the second thing which i wanted to say is from a psychological perspective happiness apparently consists out of meaning so meaning of you know in in your life sort of a meaningfulness to whatever mm. you do Pleasure, which you said that would be basically satisfying the bodily needs. And then the last thing was a sort of an engagement or, or a feeling of flow. Yeah. Well, so I look at, I, I personally, I, I want to throw out the term happiness completely. I don't even think, because what happens is, uh, you saw my breakfast plate. It had everything, it had all colors, right? And everything was... I didn't even know half of the things on the plate. I, I, I think I, I uh, could define that it was uh, orange, avocado, um, some berries, and then I got lost. 
Then there was like dates and uh, goji berries and uh, walnuts and pecans. And then I had my matcha tea and uh, eggs, you know, with for clean and, but okay. So I don't, why I don't like this term. So that plate had everything, right? I can't say blackberry, aim for blackberries in your life. I can't say don't eat almonds. Like I can't vilify almonds. So what happens is why I don't like the term happiness so much. I, I prefer the term growth. Okay. I love the term growth and I love the term alignment and I love the term beautiful state of mind. And these are the things people should not just aspire, but they should become. If you become them, you welcome and celebrate joy, pleasure, pain, ache, suffering, knowledge, deception, whatever is the worldly thing that's coming to you. Because these are the three most important things. The mindset of growth. So what happens is when you are, your mind shifts from why it's, hap- uh, why it's happening to me to what it is teaching me. When you have growth mindset, when you are inside the pain, you're not rejecting it. You're trying to learn. Somebody was telling me, so what happened in your last relationship to me? Uh, I had a breakup three years ago. And I said um, uh, that all I can tell you is what I learned and what I should, I'm still working on myself. Imagine the whole world's perspective if it becomes uh, it becomes from the blame to towards building yourself up. So growth, if people can practice these three things, growth, alignment. Alignment is very also important because alignment is you have a vertical growth and you have a horizontal growth. It's in my third book, Life Currency, I talk a lot about it. The vertical growth is basically your whole alignment with the universe the purpose the passion the the physical being that's your vertical growth the spiritual uh, learning about yourself why don't we teach people why are these things not taught early in the childhood because again the whole civilization is built on like uh, manufacturing people so they can do manufacturing jobs so we don't want people to <laughs> nobody wants to take a pause but this is the most important life skill because you're not if somebody says, are you a doctor? I'm Nivedita Lakhira. You know, I'm a whole person. I work as a doctor or I love creating stuff, but I'm Niv and I need to focus on that first. I need to Do you see being a doctor simply only as a profession or, or so it's not really part of your person, you know, as, as a personality? Me, as, me, but I am, I'm not. One you're thing. more than that. That's what you wanted to say. I'm just saying people like labels because it's very comfortable because that's what well, our easy. algorithm is. It's easy, of. you know, I mean, you make the categories as you go and then it's easy to, to, to keep, I would say, the massive input of the world perception wise, very clear, you know. Right, right. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm many things and I think people are many things. I think Michael is many things, you know, Michael is a complex human beings with beautiful uh, things that has happened to him and he has happened to a lot of them. So, but unless Michael or me or John or Betty or, you know, uh, anybody like uh, Maria, they, they don't learn about these three things, uh, growth, alignment. You know, if you don't learn about these things, then you're not going to, you you will not again have the skills to absorb things. Think, think about this. You're given two eyes. You see the world with two eyes. When you have these kind of skills, you have infinite eyes because you have different perspective for different situations. You don't, you're not restricted anymore. So, so, but I don't think because I grew up in Delhi, 
I have this perspective. I think I have this perspective because um, uh, so many people who know me, they, they think in 30 years of my life or 40 years now, I have gone through things that people go through maybe in 3,000 years in terms of setbacks and uh, or, you know, experiencing life. And I always had a choice to just crumble and give up or uh, spun gold from that <laughs> and spun beauty out of that. And that came because as a child, I read a lot of uh, literary works and I read a lot of spirit, uh, like uh, religious books and I made up my own mind. So I, I and my family, if I was not raised the way I was raised, raised I would not be the person because. Our family was very open-minded in terms, even as a child, we were given due respect. Uh, you know, my mom would listen to us, like having our own thoughts. And that was very important growing up. They let us become who we want to. Oh, I get it. I get it. So you were raised basically with a, with a high, I would say, self-efficacy. So you, you could, you, you yes. know, you were, you could make demands, you know, you could, you could yes. explain yourselves and so on. And that's very actually good because this way... You you learn you learned your responsibilities very quick. Thank you, by the way, for for getting into the topic of literature, where because I would like to also talk about your you know literary work. Um, you are I, at least up until now one of the few um, doctors that I know. Now that we're back in categories, who are creatively active. I mean, you're you're creating poetry, and this is something what I was very interested um, when we were when we when we first came into contact is how is this mix of a physician's profession and creativity does it affect each other in any way? Do you see your work as a doctor enhanced by you know your creative work or the other way around? And in the end, what inspires you most? Yeah, so I feel like. Um... Uh, just the life inspires me. Being alive is a responsibility. <laughs> I, I feel a huge sense of responsibility on my shoulders by being alive. Um, so I think uh, I think I'm just yeah I'm just inspired that I'm alive and I see uh, other humans and I just I'm impressed how people are going through life with their own struggles and uh, I have a very heightened sense of bird's eye view. And if you are aware, you know, I, I think mindfulness should be replaced by self-awareness. I think if you're self-aware, you become people-aware, right? And self-awareness, again, as I told before, is not taught very early on. So self-awareness to me comes when I embrace all part of me. And all part of me comprises of Science, you know, I have a science background. I have a natural inclination towards science. Even as a child, when people were reading comics, I was in, I was making algorithm for my father's presentation on Parkinsonism because he's a scientist or physiology. I was me. I didn't really read comics growing up because it was very tiny and it'll get done quickly. So I didn't like it. <laughs> but I like like big uh, things that made me think. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So um, so if so. I personally feel all of this is me. And if I reject me, then I'm suppressing me. And if I'm suppressing me, I, I cannot be the best version of myself. You know? So I think um, I have to embrace that literature is part of me and then let it grow. Uh, you know, I should develop the skills and a mindset. 
so I can I can become a garden that I am. So what ha- happens is when you are rich from inside, you give. You can give. And as and as a doctor, as a physician, I have learned so many things over the years, and I'm a compulsive reader. So I read journals like before I go to bed. I have to read my own. So I'm very. So I know what is the latest guidelines for that patient. But I also want to know how he's gonna be once he leaves the hospital. I want to know the family dynamics and the, the conversation between me and my patients and the family is very um, authentic. And I think authenticity is road to eternal <laughs> eternity. And you cannot be authentic if you are not hundred percent too true to yourself. So I have embraced poetry. I have embraced colors. I have I embrace fashion. And I embrace the very inside of me, and it helps me to give the most authentic embrace to the person in front of me, whether it's a patient or a journalist or another doctor. And that that kind of comes because of I let me create. So in other words, knowing yourself, tapping into your own potential, um, letting it grow, you know, sort of way uh, um, optimizing it on the outside, that's what's helping you in the end in your profession as a physician to get a better, I would say, communicate connection, connection, right? With, with and trust is very important. And trust is a trust is a reaction of authenticity. You won't trust me unless you unless I'm authentic to you. And human can figure it out. You you can you cannot you cannot fake authenticity and authenticity. Uh, the trust is a reaction of authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. When you meet when you meet people which are not authentic, you have this feeling of something is off, and then yes. and then you, you, you do not trust. Yeah, yeah, you don't trust. You're very suspicious. You can build a relationship. True, yeah. absolutely. Let's yeah. talk about your books. Tell us something about them. I, I, you wrote two, right? So far, you wrote two books. So, yeah, the second one is uh, available for pre-order. It's coming in February. Okay. So, get launched i'm working on third and that's it i'm not writing more than three books okay we'll see about that maybe you're gonna write maybe you're gonna write more in the end okay (laughs) maybe i have other plans for next year too so this is my first book pillow of dreams and um this um this is this is my art i paint also and i do sketches so yeah so you're definitely one of our more artistic guests on the show (laughs) yeah and i don't i'm a good dancer Okay. <laughs> so, so pillow, pillows of dreams. What is this? What is this book about mainly? Pillow is single. Dreams are plural. <laughs> One pillow per head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's an art and poetry collection, and I was going through um, uh, something very, um, uh, you know, uh, a period of law of pain, um, but I didn't let it become suffering because suffering is denial of reality. Right. It's uh, if you if you can recognize data as a fact, you know, what is happening to you and not deny it because denial is suffering. Suffering is very is very unproductive. It's not productive. It's a very exothermic reaction within your soul. (laughs) Pain is okay. Pain is an experience and you accept it. And uh, what I what I realized was that it it is such a humane experience. And uh, I had amazing friends who were helping me. Uh, I, I actually could not have survived without that, my friends and family. But I, I 
I was talking to a few people and uh, I've been writing as a child, you know. I, as soon as I could collect the words together were my favorite moment of life. <laughs> as soon as I could put words together, I was like, I want to read more, I want to read more. And then more I read, I was like, I want to write more. So started early on in the childhood. Great. I wanted to be a doctor and an artist and an actress and a writer when I was like, three-year-old, like, decided. So um, so when I was going through something like that, I had a lot of words that were coming out. And poetry, if I had more time, I would write fiction. But poetry is the most condensed version of, uh, of what you want to tell people. So if I tell you what holds you back, Michael, does not exist. You know? So you can say the whole entire narrative of years of your life in one small line. It's from my second book. What holds you back does not exist. Who would you say is this book mainly, I would say, uh, um, written for? Or did you aim to a specific audience? Or The Pillow of Dreams? Yeah. It was written for my father and mother. Okay, lovely. <laughs> I, I wrote, because I have written 6,000 poems, uh, practically, uh, in the last uh, three, three years. This is very impressive. Okay. I write all the time. I'm a bot. I'm a writing bot. And I have painted and sketched forever. Uh, but so I was, I wrote so much. And my dad, he is a writer. He has gotten precedence of, award from President of India for his contribution in writing in science. And he, he, want, he said to me and my mom said to me, they want to hold my poems in their hands. And I said, okay, I'm going to write a book for you. So it was written for two people. <laughs> but then, I don't know what happened. People started reading it. And uh, I had 200 friends on Facebook to begin with. And now I have reached a uh, friend limit, like early on after this book, to 5,000. Like, it spread from the word of mouth to the extent that I was invited to be a keynote speaker or, you know, in a lot of book clubs. And um, the book was translated but the most ultimate experience was when women or uncertain men messaged me that they they literally carry the book everywhere they go because they're going through tough time. And two women told me they didn't end their life because of the book. So the book talks about... So it's almost therapeutical. Um, it's, it's helping a lot of people to get through through some, some traumatic experiences. I think it's more validating. You know, as a human being, even as a child, we, when we, go, we are born as a child, we are at Validation becomes part of our uh, ground. Like we want to walk on the ground of validation, right? Because we want to know if it is solid or not. You know, you have a fear of survival. Uh, and and what happens is, again, happiness, that's why I don't like that word, because happiness is marketed in that plate of uh, food that you saw me, like as a blackberry, as the only thing that you should be proud of, as the only thing you should strive for, and as the only thing you should put the face to the people, as the only thing that you know everybody should know about you, so people are not threatened by you or uncomfortable, because that kind of has overtaken the whole planet, and I don't like it. So I have validated you also need oranges, you also need almonds in the form of pain, and when things don't go their way. So it is like all these other ingredients are not only just necessary, but you should be proud of them because they are actual teachers because happiness and joy are outward journey. It takes you outward. When you're happy, you want to tell the whole planet, you go out, you have celebration, you know. Um, but pain is what takes you inside of you. 
And why should we not celebrate that journey inside of us? That's the most important journey if you take it. But what happens is because there is so much uh, shame about it. Like if you think about why these magazines sell, people's magazines, they kind of put celebrities downfall and market it as a form of shame, you know, shamed. But what if the whole mindset changed that it's important part of their living? Nobody would buy the magazine because, you know, you know, it's, It's because it would become something, well, it's expected and, and yeah, it's, it's yeah, as normal. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, so I think the whole book is about, it starts from falling in love, which can be it's in the form of a flesh or purpose or goal or whatever you're fascinated with. Again, whole life is driven by desire. Whatever is your object of desire, whether it's a target, financial, personal, You always exactly. That, that's basically yeah, your motivational yeah. drive. It's also the focus yeah. that you love. You know, you, you run through life and everything. And, and it goes away. Yeah. And you're falling. And that falling, I have made it a celebration. And it's not just accepting, but celebrating. Be proud of it, but extract and grow. Just use pain as a university. So I think a lot of people connected with it because a lot of us are very scared to tell people, oh, I had a heartbreak. This or, is I a... Had I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you because this is this sentence. It, it, I, I needed three, four seconds till it really got to me. Pain <laughs> is a university. I, I you should get this, uh, you know, uh, uh, trademarked because I think this is an extremely interesting sentence that you just said. I, I will have to think about it because it's already evoking quite a lot of thoughts. Um, mm. I, I want to take us um, back to to art and medicine. Mm. Now, these two things. For you, do they go together? Do they fit together? If so, where do they? What's the what's the basically what's the relationship between medicine and art, and is there any in your eyes? Yeah, again, it goes back to the thing that uh, creating. Uh, I cannot, uh, in order for me to be in a beautiful state of mind, I have to embrace all of me, and art is an important part of me, and and when. Then I'm true to who I am. Then I'm true to medicine. And, uh, you know, at times I just, uh, I, I notice colors and I wear a lot of, like I consider fashion as a wearable art. As soon as I enter a patient's room, they get so happy. <laughs> you know, they get joyful. They're so, they're so like, they like the vibrancy of red color of my lipstick or they always ask about my jewelry. So for in a moment of most vulnerability, in the mo moment of most pain, I introduce a little joy and then we talk medicine. And I think that, I, I think, I think it's so important to become human again. It's not marketed. It's not a media thing. Okay. But it's so important to become a human again and to become a human again. Art helps you. Poetry helps you because it returns you back to your softness. And then you're You can pursue your other passions very sincerely and people can connect to it very sincerely back. So so could we agree on the result that from what, what you said, it seems to me, art has the ability to make medicine more humane, more yes. accessible to humanity? Exactly. Okay. I think art is a perfect interface where two souls can actually connect and acknowledge each other. I should trademark that. Yeah. Another thing you definitely should. Perhaps I can get some uh, percentage from that. <laughs> You're welcome for the idea. <laughs> Nif, last question. Um, if you had to recommend 
any anything basically if you should give an advice from from you know your very special perspective on life and everything to your colleagues to your fellow colleagues from from medicine uh, um, be it, you know already professors who are teaching on the university or someone who just started uh, um, uh, studying medicine what would you tell them um, and and why I would just say that don't be the horse with a blinder be a free bird and experience life have a bird's eye view of everything and use all of it in helping the most vulnerable I think medicine is such a privilege first of being alive is such a privilege second being healthy is such a privilege anything that puts you in a little better position than people around you is a privilege and you have to honor that privilege by delivering your best and so becoming a doctor is a privilege you put in years of hard work in learning science and then that you should not uh, ignore or discard or reject the idea that other parts of lives are there to augment it whether it's love whether it's relationship whether it's pain whether it's a joy whether it's beauty of traveling whether it's connecting with another human being at any level whether it's nutrition <laughs> whether it's fashion whatever makes you within let it flourish and it'll make you a much more amazing doctor because being a doctor is not just writing orders and you know typing and saying hello and getting out of the room being being a physician is a wonderful experience and life is nothing but a, literally a google doc life is all about experiences it's just experience you are born and you are dying you are dead no matter whether you have won the whole planet whether you have conquered the whole planet no matter whether you're bill gates or a janitor the death is the ultimate thing what you do between those two points is you gain experience you grow you become and then you help other grow and other be- people become and that's very powerful thing so use your powers also have fun while doing it <laughs> nif Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This was a very uh, great, uh, you know, closing statement on, on this beautiful talk that we had. Um, talked about everything, medicine, arts, and in the end of essence of life, I would call it. Thank you again for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, this was uh, another edition of, of The Voice of Medicine. Tune in next time for another very interesting talk. Thank you very much. Nif, thank you again for being here. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Voice of Medicine. Gedanken, Geschichten und Talks aus der faszinierenden Welt der Medizin. Denn wir bringen sie an den Puls. Präsentiert von Radiolutions.